Before we begin, a quick reminder to our audio listeners that this was produced as a video update. If you'd like to see any of the visuals referenced, we invite you to visit our YouTube channel. Now, please welcome our director of research, Dan Russo. Okay, good morning. This is Dan Russo from Potomac. Just wanted to touch base a little bit here uh, on Monday morning. Obviously, an eventful few days from a geopolitical standpoint uh, with what's happening between Russia and the Ukraine. And as we've worked through the weekend here, uh, obviously, a lot of questions about what the market impacts uh, could be, right? Uh, geopolitical events pop up from time to time. And I think it's always nice to have a little perspective. Uh, about how those events uh, impact the market. So what we did here was we put together a list uh, of major geopolitical events since 1950 and overlaid them with the S&P 500 here. And what's interesting is um, for context around geopolitical events, not all major geopolitical events necessarily lead to a big decline for the S&P 500. The context that needs to be added is the general state of the U.S. economy. Now, I'm speaking specifically about the S&P 500 right now. I'm not speaking about the individual markets of the particular countries that might be involved. Uh, in this case, just the S&P 500. So you can see here, we went back and looked at different events throughout time, such as when North Korea invaded South Korea, right? the Tet Offensive, the assassination of JFK, um, you know, the oil embargo, uh, I left the stock market crash of 87 in here just for some other perspective, but you get the point, the USS Cole, uh, the nine 11 terrorist attacks and wherever we could, uh, we went back and looked at the, either the date of the uh, event or the date immediately preceding the event. Obviously the market did not open on September 11th, 2001 state closed, uh, for six days. Um, but what immediately jumps out at us is, uh, and hat tip to the team at LPL, um, for the thought process on this, uh, what immediately jumps out at us is where we are from an economic perspective uh, has a bigger impact than the event itself. And by that, I mean, are we in a recession or near a recession uh, or not? And these gray shaded areas here uh, overlaid on the price chart of the S&P 500 uh, note times where we are in an actual recession as, um, as classified by the, uh, the OECD. And what you'll see is after these geopolitical events, right, here's the average, you know, price action of the S&P, you know, whether it be one month, three months, six months or one year later, right, the average when we're in a recession and the average when there is not a recession. And what immediately jumps out is obviously it's much better um, when we're not in a recession than when we are in a recession. So uh, current state of affairs uh, for the U.S. economy is uh, not a recession. Um, so I think that that's some interesting perspective that needs to be overlaid as you're seeing the geopolitical headlines, uh, play out over the next couple of days and weeks with that in mind, what's really interesting to me is not much has changed from a trend perspective. Now we wrote about this, uh, in a note this morning for clients, how, despite all of the news, despite these major geopolitical events, uh, we're very much in the same place we've been. Uh, for the past few months, the S&P 500 kind of chopping around between the key support level that we identified at 4,200 and resistance at the call at 4,550 level. I mean, everybody has these levels eyed up on their on their charts. Uh, we tried to push through last week to the downside, but the bears fumbled the ball here. Uh, the bulls picked it up and we find ourselves just kind of churning here. So again, um, if that if the headlines of Russia invading the Ukraine, you know, 
causes somebody to make an investment decision without perspective, it can, it can, it could end up being the wrong decision. In this case, so far, it looks like it is the wrong decision as we've continued to stay above this key 4,200 level. Uh, oftentimes what we see happen on these geopolitical events is they tend to kind of propel existing trends in their current direction. So what do I mean by that? I mean, commodities have been, you know, a hot asset class for a while. We've been talking about commodities since you know last summer uh and commodities have seen a strong trend this is the bloomberg commodity index uh you know kind of rising since the lows in 2020 we had the breakout here at 105 and just continuing to move higher so if this particular geopolitical event was the rationale for for owning commodities um okay great but it would appear to me that you're late to that party especially with the index now trading into this little cluster of resistance here that goes back to, you know, kind of 2011, 2012, which is where commodities kind of when rather commodities started to top out after the last big commodity cycle. If you recall, you know, commodities started to run 2002 to 2008 to 11, uh, depending on the commodity, right? Go back and look at gold, gold copped in 2011. Uh, but either way, it sets up this resistance area here. So, you know, using the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia as a rationale for owning commodities now, a little late to that party. This trend has been in motion. Now, you might immediately think that risk off or haven assets would start to do well. That's the knee jerk reaction. Uh, but again, not a lot has changed. Take a look here at gold and copper, gold, precious metal, haven asset, copper, kind of a risk on growth metal. Um, again, nothing's changed. Gold continues to have a hard time keeping upside momentum. Now we've recently highlighted gold in our work. I actually do think um, that there is opportunity uh, within uh, gold uh, in the near term here, but kind of for the gold itself, getting above and holding above 1910 uh, is key. Now we closed below that level on Friday, uh, trading slightly above it here as of this recording, but again, just kind of gold continues to have a hard time holding upside momentum. At the same time, you would think that with, uh, you know, a uh, war going on, uh, that that would be a major negative for a kind of a growth on commodity like copper. And again, here, nothing's changed. Just trading right in the middle of a consolidation zone that has been in place, uh, for let's face it about 10 months, right? This goes back. The top was in May of 2021. And we've been chopping sideways ever since. So a lot of times, as I said, what you see is existing trends just tend to perpetuate uh, around these geopolitical events, not seeing anything that changes our mind on that view. Taking a look at the 10 year treasury note. Again, this is the note. So price in the top yield at the bottom. Again, nothing's changed. Not exactly seeing a haven bid driving the 10 year price higher and yield lower. Uh, as we've written about for the past few weeks, the key level for yield is 1.75%. If we're above that, I think you need to play for higher rates, right? Or the path of least resistance is, is to the upside uh, as it relates to rates. Nothing's changed here. Oil continues to uh, to be hot. But again, similar to other commodities, if uh, you know what's happening between the Russia and between Russia and the Ukraine is your catalyst for finally saying, I think I should pay attention to what's happening in oil. I'd argue you're late to that party. Check out what's happening here. Oil has ripped. Remember when oil went negative back in 2020, uh, down to around negative $40 a share. Uh, well, now we're close to 100 trading in line with this cluster of uh, consolidation or resistance 
uh, around the $100 level. So again, might be a little late to that party. I would expect oil to continue to work, uh, especially if this is a prolonged geopolitical event. But to me, it's not the reason to be paying attention to it right now. That time was was a long time ago, back when you know when we were kind of breaking out of this consolidation here uh, in the mid '70s. Now, briefly, obviously, we want to take a look at uh, what's happening uh, with the countries that are involved uh, don't have a good proxy uh, for the Ukraine, but um, Russian markets uh, do trade and they are closed today. Uh, but there is an ETF that tracks uh, Russia, the Van Eck Vectors Russia ETF, ticker symbol RSX. And again, what's interesting to me, I cannot stress this em- enough, is that the geopolitical event tends to perpetuate trends, not change them. All right. RSX had a great move from the lows in 2020 uh, to the highs here in October where we've topped out. Now, we've been in a downtrend ever since, right? RSX has been making a series of lower lows and lower highs since topping in October. This fund did not start going down when Russia invaded the Ukraine. It's been going down. That event has perpetuated this trend, right? And many of the U.S.-listed Russian stocks uh, we're trading down over 20% uh, this morning when I last looked. So it stands to reason uh, that this fund is trading to the downside, but it's been trading to the downside. Okay. Perspective around events, in addition to knowing the existing trends, is key here with these geopolitical events. Finally, I'll leave you with this. Uh, here's the Russian ruble relative to the US dollar. Um, this has not exactly been a strong currency. When the line is going down, the ruble is weakening. Uh, against the dollar. And you can see this has been in a decade plus downtrend, right? It accelerated a bit here to the downside in light of recent events, but the ruble has been weakening against the dollar for a long, long time. It's another one of those trends uh, that's been in place. So I just wanted to kind of hop in here and get in your inbox with some thoughts and commentary around the geopolitical events that are playing out. I think it's important to put some context around them. Uh, As always, feel free to reach out uh, to the team here. Happy to discuss this and any of the other uh, items that we are writing about uh, in Research by Potomac. Hope everybody's having a great start to the week, and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.